Will you please welcome our guest moderator, news editor of Empire Magazine, a part of the presenting team on BBC's Film 2013, Chris Hewitt. Hello. Thanks for coming. Jack the Giant Slayer is the new film from Brian Singer, who's the brilliant mind, as you know, behind X-Men, X-Men 2, Superman Returns, and of course, The Usual Suspects, to name but four. It's a rather fantastic new version of the classic fairy tale, Jack and the Beanstalk. And before we meet Brian and his thankfully human-sized cast, let's take a look at the trailer. Fee, fi, fo, thou. Ask not whence the thunder comes. Between heaven and earth is a perilous place, home to a fearsome giant race who hunger to conquer the mortals below, waiting for the seeds of revenge to grow. I saw your life and I'm lost. What are you doing out in this nasty weather, Your Highness? These your books? My father used to read that to me. I like a good adventure. I'm looking for an adventure of my own. What? Am I dead? Not just yet. The legends are true. Elmont, assemble a team of your best men. Yes, sir. Bring back my daughter. Your Majesty, I want to volunteer. What do you suppose is up there? I simply prepare for everything. At last, mankind have returned. They're uglier than I remember. My mission is to find and return the princess. Tomorrow, you shall return below with me as your new king. Are you mad? <laughs> I'm talking to giants at the moment. Jack, you're here. I had this, Jack. I had this. Are you ready, my brothers? Let's cut a few of them down to size, shall we? Another way out of here. Make everything sound so simple. Simple farm boy. Not at all. It's Jack! Ready? <laughs> that worked out better than I expected. Please welcome the director of Jack the Giant Slayer, Mr. Brian Singer. And his cast, Eleanor Tomlinson, Stanley Tucci, and Nicholas Holt. Thank you. Hello, hello. hello. Nice to see you. Hi, hello. sir. Let me see you. Stanley. Sarah, how are you? Nice I'll come, come across to you. <laughs> wow. Evening. Check, check. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, Hi, guys. Wow. wow. Welcome hello. to London. Uh, Brian, now, whenever I read Jack and the Beanstalk when I was a kid, it was about four pages long, usually. So <laughs> this is a bit of an extrapolation, would you say? And how did you manage to expand the fairy tale into this epic tale? Uh, well, I, I never really even liked the original story because it always was about a guy who climbed a beanstalk, went up there, stole a bunch of shit, and then came back and <laughs> killed a giant. <laughs> so I always felt sorry for the giant. So uh, I, we basically wanted to have a story, if we we're going to call it Jack the Giant Slayer, it was originally Killer Slayer. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we should create a race of giants that we don't really have sympathy for. They're a threat to mankind, and that makes Jack a hero as he tries to uh, save the girl and prevent uh, the giants from destroying. Okay. So was that a difficult process? A long process. There was a actually an original script. There was, a, there was actually a script that existed before I signed on, and as I was in pre-production, I, I find it really wasn't working for me, so I called Chris McQuarrie, who wrote Usual Suspects for me and Valkyrie and a number of other things, and brought him on board to do a sort of a page one rewrite. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then I brought uh, another writer friend of mine, Dan Studney, on board to uh, continue writing through the production process. So it was uh, some last-minute stuff, but it, I think it worked out real well. Okay. And uh, Eleanor, you play Princess Isabel. Who is Princess Isabel? It's a tough one to start off with. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, she's, uh, she's not your conventional princess. She's feisty. She's independent. She's searching for an adventure. And, um, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she definitely gets one. <laughs> Can say that again. And, uh, Stanley, you are the dastardly, dastardly Lord Roderick. Yeah. Who is he? Well, he's dastardly. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, the sort of archetypal uh, villain. You know, that we know from fairy tales, that we know mm -hmm. from myths, legends, and all that, and, uh, and, and old movies. I, I won't pretend that I didn't steal a great deal of this performance from Basil Rathbone or, <laughs> or uh, Laurence Olivier and Richard III and all that. But, but it lends itself to it, and one of the reasons I was attracted to it was because it, it is, uh, uh, you know, it's a classic fairy tale that, that we all love. But a, but a dark retelling of that mm. with, with, uh, with a great sense of irony. Absolutely. And, uh, and Nicholas, you are Jack, the titular Jack. Yeah. Uh, who is he? He's, uh, he's kind of the unlikely hero of this story. He's a young farm boy. Um, has been brought up feeling fairly useless um, without a lot of prospects or opportunities in life. And then he gets swept up on this mission to save this princess who he's fallen for and manages to kind of overcome a lot of fears and, uh, and become a hero along the way. And it, it very much revolves around the, the romance, the, the burgeoning romance between Isabel and Jack. And we've got a bunch of clips for you guys. And the first clip actually sets one up. This is when you, you two first meet, the meet-cute, if you will. Uh, please roll the clip. Where do you think you're going? What's the matter, though? Not enjoying the show? Get your hands off me. Hey, hey, that's no way to treat that. Oh. To be honest, you looked a little too drunk to do that. Now, I'll say we let the good lady go home, and I'll consider forgetting all about this. We're sorry, sir. We, we don't want any trouble. Good. Because that's what you're going to get. Trouble. Yeah. All three of you. A whole lot of trouble. There's something behind me, isn't there? What's your name? Jack. Something wrong with your knees, Jack. Mr. <laughs> so Brian, Look. that's uh, that's you, McGregor. <coughs> yeah, uh, you who does he play? He plays Elmo. <laughs> Who's sort of a, a guardian knight um, mm -hmm. who's, in, who's charged with taking care of Isabel. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he kind of follows after her when she gets into trouble or tries to sneak away from the uh, castle to go watch okay. theater. <laughs> yeah, <but that's>, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the romance is between a uh, princess and a farm boy. So it brought to mind for me Star Wars. Was that, 
Was that something that was in your mind when you were yeah, making this absolutely. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what's particularly fun about this version, though, is that the, the farm boy is trapped in his farm, and in a way, Isabel's trapped in her castle. And we see that as the movie uh, unfolds in the beginning, a, a tremendous parallel between the two yeah. characters. Each has lost parents, and, and they kind of are somewhat destined to find each other. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a classic uh, tale. Is that a note that uh, you were given, Eleanor and, and Nicholas? You know, look for Star Wars, or, or did you base this <laughs> on anything in particular? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the characters are definitely not your, your normal heroes, and that was kind of what really interested me about the part. You know, she's, she's strong and, and feisty, and um, there's a lovely scene at the beginning of the movie with her mother, and her mother says, you know, you must go off and have your own adventure in order to be, to be a good queen, and Isabel kind of kind of loves loves that and and she wants to prove to her father that she she's a very capable woman and she doesn't need following around by guardians even <laughs> if they are you and McGregor so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and Nicholas did you have a Luke Skywalker in your mind when you were playing this or who did you base it on there was a little bit of uh, that kind of as- aspect particularly with the relationship with you and as well um uh, but I, I guess it was um it was a thing whereby we, we both kind of uh, make each other realize our full potential and I, I make you see what you, the prospects you have as being queen and you, you help me become a man along the way. Um, I know that uh, Brian kind of tonally like Princess Bride as, mm. Uh, mm. as a reference for the film, so I watched that um, in the build-up, but <laughs> didn't base my performance too much on that. <laughs> <laughs> and Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have uh, cast and crew screenings of any films that were influences? Um, I don't think so. I watched some films while I was making them because there's a theater at Soho Hotel where I was living, and uh, and so we wa- we watched Star Wars. We actually ran that for um, some of the crew. Actually, mm-hmm. we did a, a couple of little few little screenings. Okay. And so, Stanley, does that make Roderick Darth Vader in a strange way? I suppose so. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. But you know, now I now I'm really thinking, and I w- yeah, I wish I'd. Changed my whole performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never really. Yeah. Can you talk about Roderick's appearance because uh, he has very interesting teeth. Yes. You have yes. great teeth. Not really. He does not have great teeth. No, he has an exaggeration of my teeth, <laughs> like an exaggerated, uh, 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 unhealthy version of my teeth. Uh, I just seemed when no. we were. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I actually brush my teeth. Uh, he. Uh, That's why. He. he uh, it seemed to me that when we were, you know, putting this together, you know, for me sometimes it's very helpful to to work from, you know, the outside in and just mm-hmm. look at the look at your face, look at what you how you would change your face to to make you feel like this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do, put, putting on a wig, we did play around with the wig, we played around with the beard, and it seemed to me that these teeth made sense, and we asked Brian. If, if he liked them and he yeah. was like yeah I love the teeth yeah great so that was that was nice and then once you put it all on in the morning you, I would just simply you, say Stanley let the teeth do the acting yes that's right <laughs> that's right <laughs> it was just teeth acting you know <laughs> what, I mean once you do that and you work on the accent a bit you don't uh, you know it was all on the page too it was very clear who, who this person was and so it was really kind of um, it, it just all made sense it wasn't but I, I like the idea of those teeth and all that all that. Yeah, it's great stuff. when actors bring bring a haircut or a, just yeah. bring something physical to the equation. It mm. just it, it, and it, and also it's a different look. You you you're a master disguiser from movie to movie to movie, and you always find a different look and inhabit a different character. So that this was really 
Yeah, and I was, uh, but I was very excited that you cast me. I told you this, but as that you cast me in this because I, I'd always wanted to play the British baddie, <laughs> and it was really fun. And then you used the teeth thing later. You at the, at the, oh, I didn't. Oh no, you yeah. didn't. No. <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see. Uh, Brian, so sorry. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> uh, can you talk about the casting process? Because you, you came this close to directing Nicholas on X Men First Class. Yeah, yeah, I was instrumental in the casting of Nick. Uh, well, I've been a fan of Nick since Skins yeah. and um, a single man, and uh, and was part of the casting process of, uh, for X Men First Class, which I produced. Mm -hmm. um, so then I got to know him on that and just observe his style of acting and his temperament and his personality. He's a really great guy. So I, I really wanted him to be the lead of this movie, but I wanted to be sure, so I saw a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And um, and eventually he rose up to be the, the, the best and also the rightest for the role. And then Eleanor came in and ultimately you know, read beautifully and was beautiful, is beautiful, but also had a great chemistry with Nick in what we call chemistry reads. We yeah. had him read together. And, uh, Which doesn't involve Bunsen burners or periodic tables, none of that stuff. It's no, just, yeah, okay. no, you don't have to know any. <laughs> but, uh, um, oh, I get it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and then Stanley and Ewan are two actors I've always wanted yeah. to work with and I've been a fan of for years. And, I, and uh, Bill Nye plays one mm. of the giants. Yeah. And, uh, and he's an actor I've worked with previously on, on the movie Valkyrie. Um, so yeah, it was Ian McShane as well. Ian McShane, I, knew, I actually knew through uh, mutual friends, and I, I, I looked at him for Valkyrie, couldn't find something for him in that picture, so I, it was nice to be able to get him on board this one. And on the trailer, and little bits during the film, you can you can hear the voice of Sir McKellen. The, you, there's a yeah, we we use his voice. Well, the, uh, yes, yeah, I used his voice for something. Okay, so. it's just a quick favor. Come on, do this for five minutes and yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't have a Jack and the Giant movie without a beanstalk. Mm. So we're going to see the beanstalk now in this next clip. I don't know if you want to... Uh, actually, this is post-beanstalk, but this is the, the scene where after the beanstalk has appeared and spirited Jack's house away. I don't know if you want to set it up. Oh, yeah, that's when... Uh, yeah, the princess... I don't know. We'll see what it is. We'll they, see what it is. Yeah, I, we'll see. It's the, uh, <laughs> roll the clip. What were you doing with my daughter's bracelet? Hmm? Hmm? No, I, I didn't steal it, I promise. She showed up at my house looking for shelter. I, I was trying to help her, Your Majesty. And then... And then? What will this happen? Wait a minute, I recognize you from the market. Your name is, uh, Jack. And where is your house, Jack? See a beanstalk. <laughs> so, so when you put the film like this together, how how much did you think about the beanstalk in terms of how high it was, the the dimensions of it, and uh, I imagine it to be about five miles high. Five miles high. Uh, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's an improbable thing physically, but at least it, for it to have enough at its base for it to create the illusion of some kind of support system. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, but it had to go way up into the clouds, so there'd be some mystery mm -hmm. in the journey. 
Just and what's up there. How much of it did you, did you actually build? I know a lot of it's CG, but... We built a fair amount of the base structure uh, at a location mm -hmm. out in the countryside. Okay. And there are scenes where uh, all three of you were on the beanstalk at some mm -hmm. point, climbing up it or climbing down it. Uh, how much of it was there at the time? And, and how much of the, the movie was there? Because I know that a lot of it was, was green screen. There was a fair bit of it built, built in Elstree Studios. Yeah. And, um, and we'd be kind of 40, 50 foot up in the air clinging on for dear life whilst uh, <laughs> these air cannons and rain machines would lash us with rain and, and you couldn't hear a thing. Yeah, so, because we had to call your... So we'd have a microphone system <laughs> yeah. and you just hear like, Nick! And line and you panic and say something and then, yeah. uh, and then the scene would carry on and you'd hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were harnessed in, you know, you're in all your, your, your costume, which was not necessarily, you know, made it easy to climb. Yeah. But, uh, you're harnessed in so you don't fall and each one of us had a had a, uh, a stunt person that was you know to look after us in case <laughs> in case we fell mm -hmm. but you know ultimately was it fun not really but <laughs> but, but, the, but the end product is so astounding that yeah. you you do it again yeah and uh, Eleanor how was that yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, try doing a kissing scene on a beanstalk. It's pretty challenging. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was amazing kind of training for the movie because I, I wanted to be able to, to tackle any stunt that Isabel comes across. I think that's kind of the key part of her character is, yeah. is the adventurer in her. So, yeah. How, how important, Brian, was it for you to surround the actors with a sense of scale and a sense of being dwarfed? Um, well, I... I wanted to use as much physical stuff as we could, um, but when it came to the land of the giants, the, the, you couldn't, the giants are about 25, 30 feet tall, so to build sets around them was not possible. Mm. Uh, so a lot of that stuff is virtual. So what, what we did was there was a lot of big giant props around that made it kind of fun. And then we used um, two, a system called Simulcam, which projects the performance captured performance of the giants into my monitor as well as some of the uh, crude rendering, as well okay. as some of the, the set extensions, so that s the actors, they're acting to, giant, to tennis balls on long sticks. Mm -hmm. But um, if they want to know what the environment's really going to be like, they can come around to the monitor and look at playback and actually see themselves acting out a scene with a, you know, an unfinished giant. Could you have the giants and the actors in the room at the same time? The was only that? time we did that was when we did the performance capture in the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. um, they would all come in and kind of pantom like act the scene with and, and be next to the the, the the actors playing the giants with who mm -hmm. are doing the full facial capture okay and uh, it's, it's very funny to watch because Ewan's rolling <laughs> around and you're going <laughs> pretending to climb, <laughs> to climb like this. <laughs> and, and that, but, but it's good because it, that, that means they know they know what we were going for on the mocap stage yeah so then when the when the giants aren't there on the day they, they have that memory because so you may not remember this, but the last time I saw you, um, you were in prep in this movie, and you showed me a little bit of test footage on your on your phone of Bill Nighy chasing after Nicholas and Eleanor mm. on a cardboard set. Was that something that was that you needed at the time to get a sense of scale and a sense of where people would be? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we did we other. We did another funny thing for scale. We were scouting Norwich Cathedral where we shot the throne room scene, which yeah. happens at the end, and I wanted to see what a giant would look like in there. So while these five old ladies were getting a tour of the history of this lovely, uh, special place, we inflated a giant giant behind them. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> and uh, stuff. So. And Stanley, what was that like? Because we're about to see a clip where uh, Roderick, who's now a student control of the giants, um, is talking to the giants. 
What was that like? Because I imagine there was nobody in the room, it was just surrounded by green screen. Is that a strange experience for an actor, or is that the ultimate freedom as an actor? Well, it's kind of both in a weird way. I mean, you, you're, you're very restricted because you have to look in a very specific place, and you're really looking at, as Brian said, a guy holding a pole with a tennis ball on top of it. Um, and yet, at the same time, you can be very free because it's a larger-than-life film, and the characters are larger than life. But Brian was really good about about bringing us back and showing us what the where we were going to be in relation to the final product. Mm -hmm. Although only Brian really could envision that final product. I I was <laughs> incapable of it. But the ultimately those scenes are great. They're really well written. They're really yeah. fun uh, to do. But I think what you get in the end is like is this kind of amazing amalgam of live action and, and CGI, the likes of which I've, I've never seen before. So it's a real leap of faith <coughs> as actors. It's a, it it yeah. is, yeah. it is, and it's confusing, but, but Brian and the, and the you know, technical crew did their best to make it clear to someone with a mind like mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that uh, Roderick was dastardly, and he has taken control of the Giants by this point. So let's take a look at the clip. On your feet, General. Prisoners of Gantua. Well done, Roderick. Have them release us at once. I'm talking to giants at the moment. By the way, darling, wedding's off. So, prisoners of Gantua, I bring you the gift of freedom. Tonight we feast, but tomorrow you shall return below with me as your new king. First, we will take the kingdom of Cloister and then her neighbors. And in time, we will test this Viking myth of an even greater land across the sea. Roderick, are you mad? Yes. It seems the power's going directly to my head. You traitorous bastard! As I was saying, gather your armor, sharpen your swords, and prepare for battle. Everyone, we attack at dawn. <laughs> So that was Bill Nye there, yeah. uh, with the, the uh, two-headed giant. Well, Bill Nye uh, plays the main head and drives the motion of the body, and mm. the second head um, is played by John Kassir, who you might know as the voice of the Crypt Keeper yeah. from that. And, uh, and it was very funny on the mocap stage the way they acted, because Bill would walk around and then John would just sort of follow next to him. And <laughs> 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 the little head doesn't really talk very well. Were they glued together or were they sellotaped together? Or how did you? Uh, no, they walked they next do? to each other. Okay. Uh, just he, very close. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, and they, Only after work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get some questions now from you guys for any and all of the four. If you've anything at all, just put your hand in the air. We have groovy microphones going around. And don't be shy, because shyness can kill anyone at all. There we go, over here in the uh, second row. Hi, um, this is for Brian. Um, from a directing point of view, just wonder how you approach the 3D aspect and whether that actually changes sort of the way you actually look to direct or whether that's a good thing or a bad thing from your point of view. Um, well, I, I made the decision to shoot native stereo, which means to shoot, actually shoot it in 3D uh, on the set as opposed to post-dimensionalizing it. Um, I, it does change your style a bit, or at least for me it did. Uh, I tended to use wider lenses. Um, I limited certain camera movements that I know don't work so well in 3D. Uh, and also I became very conscious of foreground. Uh, when, you're, when you're setting up a 3D shot, it's almost like a stage play. Um, the audience is uh, normally in a movie used to paying attention to right, left, up, and down, but here 
you're paying attention to front and back, your eyes has, has a chance to shift uh, through space. So you want to create things in the foreground and the background to keep the eye entertained and keep the 3D interesting. So I took a lot of care with the 3D. I mean, people spend extra money to see a movie in 3D, they should get really good, care, carefully executed 3D. This may seem like a strange follow-up, but does, does 3D, does shooting in 3D, affect your performances and how you interact with the no, camera? Not the performances. There was something really clever that you did as well as that, though, which was the, the giant's POV. Oh, yeah. You mm. kind of moved the... You can explain it, well, but the, it's very yeah. cool. <laughs> a, fun, a, a phenomenon that happens um, is when you take... 3D happens when two lenses are, are used to photograph side by side, and when you separate those two lenses, it makes more 3D. But the more 3D you're making something, the more miniature it looks. Uh, Peter Jackson, I believe, was doing uh, experimentations with King Kong, making him 3D, and they found that it, it, it made him look like a miniature. And so we had to be careful with the giants to not make them too miniaturized or too 3D. But what, so what we did is, is the giants have big heads, and their eyes are further apart. So we thought it would be fun that whenever you're seeing the point of view of a giant, that we took the lenses and moved them apart and created what's called a larger interocular and by doing that, it miniaturizes the people. So there's some fun beats. One where Stanley is, is cowering in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the point of view of the giant, and he's like really mini. And it, it makes them look like fake, like little yeah. toy people. Yeah. So we did that a couple times in the movie, and it's really fun. It's something that hasn't really been done in 3D movies before. Fantastic. I want to ask uh, again about Bill Nighy, because in the film, he seems to have uh, an accent that, that hints at. The Giants Causeway and Northern Ireland, and mm -hmm. was that was that uh, a deliberate thing on his part? I think that was that was yeah. Bill brought that uh, in. I I suspect it was an accent that he he'd wanted to use in a movie. He had it in the back <laughs> of his mind, and I think he was like, I think I'll use it here. And he and he did something else with his voice to get his voice really raspy. He would before shooting every day, he would lock himself in his car roll up all the windows and scream for 20 minutes <laughs> and blow wow. his voice out so it'd be like, <laughs> I, like I can't do it. <laughs> so Stanley, your process was the teeth. Eleanor, what was your <laughs> process? Wow, man, that's competition, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, you used to scream at me for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I we did. would all just stand yeah. around screaming right, in different yeah. corners on set. <laughs> and Brian, was he, was he appeal of this movie? Because you've done big movies in the past. But was the appeal of this to do something that was on an epic scale and family-friendly as well, I guess? Yeah, this is the movie I've made that's probably most geared towards families and kids. Um, and um, it reminded me a lot of the adventure movies I saw when I was a kid, the Ray Harryhausen movies, Clash of the Titans, things like that, um, Journey to the Center of the Earth, 20,000 Leagues. It was one of those like adventure movies. Um, and I also wanted to bring a tone that was much more lighter and funnier because I knew a lot of people were going to get eaten and stepped on by giants and I didn't <laughs> want kids to go out of the theater being upset. Scared yes. is fine. Upset is not so fun. <laughs> There's quite a lot of stomping by giants, I have to mm -hmm. say. And uh, you mentioned Peter Jackson there and I think the last thing you shot for this film was, what, a few weeks ago? It went down, down, down in New Zealand, is that, is that correct? Yeah, I went down to New Zealand to shoot one little extra scene. Since he wasn't using his equipment, they were taking a break from The Hobbit, I borrowed the cameras and his sets and... And happened to be when the premiere of The Hobbit was there, so I happened to be able to go to that, <laughs> which is cool. And then, uh, and Peter came to set barefoot to visit me on, on the pickup, and I'm, uh, which you can do when you own the stage. <laughs> Were you guys down for that, or was that just Brian on his own? No, no. I wish. Gosh, New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Stanley, I just want to talk about because you not only do you uh, take inspiration from Basil Rathbone for your character, but you get to do a classic Basil Rathbone style sword fight. Yes. With Hugh McGregor. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that? And, uh, 
Well, it was great. You know, we rehearsed it. We started rehearsing it when we were prepping the, the film, when we were doing our training, horseback riding and, you know, sword fighting and doing accents and working on accents <coughs> and all that stuff. Uh, and we came up with this fight. Uh, we rehearsed it. We'd rehearse it, you know, a few times a week as, as we were shooting. Then we got to the point where we were going to shoot it. And then Brian came up with that. They came to us one day. They said, no, there's a different idea. And we were like, what are you talking about? We just rehearsed it for like, you know, a <laughs> long time. And Brian had this idea of Ewan's head going into the water, the knife having been yeah. thrown. I won't give it away. Sure. But a really, really cool idea that you've never seen in a movie before. Uh, and so we, we worked on that. The The shoot of the, of the fight took a, a couple of weeks to do. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I think it ends up working. It's always so interesting in a movie because the fight is really, in, in reality, quite short. But in, in the film, it's, it's, ex, it's extended you know, to be very dramatic. Yeah. But it was fun. It was, I love doing stuff like I personally love doing stuff like that. And doing it with Ewan, whom I love and whom I trust, <laughs> uh, it, it was great. Which I, is crucial because Ewan was on Twitter yesterday saying that the, uh, all the fighting was done by the two of you. It was, with the, with the exception of uh, when we, when at the very beginning, there are some stunts that clearly we could not have done. And if Ewan says he did them, he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, Nicholas and Brian, you're gearing up now to work together again on X-Men Days of Future Past. Can you tell us very briefly how that's going? Um, it's uh, great. I'm really excited. The script is pretty great. And um, uh, I start shooting uh, mid-April in Montreal. Um, I and I, it's got a great cast. Uh, all uh, characters from X Men First Class: uh, uh, Nick Holt, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, James McAvoy, um, Michael Fassbender, and then also other characters from the previous X Men films. Hugh Jackman's in it. Uh, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Anna Paquin, Ellen Page, and others. So it's going to be a, a really big epic movie. It takes place in different times and yeah. and has some. New technology and things we haven't seen in, in previous X Men films. So I'm very excited to get back in, into that world. Uh, Nicholas, you gearing up for that? Yeah. Aesthetics again? Yeah, the thing that's really exciting about it is because I grew up watching the previous X Men films, um, to work with that cast. It's going to feel like I'm really there on an X-Men film. It's going to be quite <laughs> scary, you know, walking past Hugh Jackman in the morning. Going, um, so that's going, to, that's going to be very exciting. And also to work with Brian again, you know, he's, he's just got a real passion for film and he's a great storyteller. So I'm looking forward to that because we have fun on set. So. And uh, Stanley and Eleanor, you're not in the X-Men movie? No, oddly Which enough, we're not. And yeah, that, yeah actually, Brian, that's I'm not sure about that, not actually. Yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> but that, we're here to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are. What is next for you guys? I think I'm just gonna scream at Eleanor in a car somewhere. I don't, I, you know, I no, I don't know, I don't know. I'm supposed to do a movie here uh, called Your Voice in Your Head, okay. Your Voice in My Head. Uh -huh. uh, that's uh, based on a memoir. That um, so I'll probably be shooting that in May or May or June. Uh, so the yeah, X-Men dates don't work anyway. So no, it, no, no, it doesn't no. work out. Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> and, uh, Eleanor, what's next for you? Uh, I have an Italian movie uh, called Siberian Education being released. It's with John Malkovich. That comes out um, in March, which I'm really excited about. It's a very different character. Um, I'm playing a, a, a mentally challenged Russian girl um, and how she deals with with gang culture in Siberia. So that was, um, yeah, that was an amazing, amazing movie to, to be a part of. So really looking forward to that. And then seeing what 
Jack the Giant Slayer brings. Who knows? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you know, thanks guys for coming. Uh, Jack the Thank Giant you. Slayer is out March 22nd, so do go and see that. Meantime, thanks for coming. Thanks for your question, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks for small Brian Singer, <laughs> Eleanor Tomlinson, Stanley Tucci, and Nicholas Hull. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.